cops knew who I was. You don't regret killing this guy? I don't regret killing him, no. We are all evil in some form or another. They covered it up and let me kill the rest of those guys to turn me into a serial killer. You murdered this man? Yes. You tortured him? Of course. There is no ambiguity and there is nothing you want us Yet in court today, you said uh, you're not here to pretend to be remorseful. Of course not. Why would I do that? Are you remorseful? Not at all. Why? Why would I be? Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. So your only regret is that the torture didn't go on any longer. Right, and I regret not killing my other victim. Yes, I am evil. Not 100%, but I am evil. So I, I alone am the one who is responsible for what's happened. The only motive that there ever was, was to completely control a person, a person that I found physically attractive, and uh, keep them with me as long as possible, even if it meant just keeping a part of them. Sadly, some officials concede Atlanta is unlikely to catch the killer unless he keeps on killing. I will say that there's a better chance to catch him if he doesn't stop. Can you say how many people might be doing crimes like you were doing? It would be a guess, but it's not. It's far more than 35. Will you kill again? If the opportunity arises, I hope so. It isn't that impossible in this society. It happens. Are there more people? They didn't give up. Uh, how he, many? She didn't give up. I did. I came in out of the cold. And what I'm saying is there are some people who prefer it in the cold. I should have gotten the death penalty. Baby, I got a plan. Run away fast as you can. Walking in on Kurt Cobain in his last moments, what would be your last words to him? I think I would say, like, wait, here's, I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Do I, am I from the future? Do I know what is about to happen? Or do I not know and I'm just walking in on a guy that I don't know? you're seeing, you kind of have a knowledge of what's going to happen because you're seeing what's going on there. Okay. I would say, hey, um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I have to try to stop you mm-hmm. from doing this, but I just want this to be very clear. Are you trying to kill yourself right now? Because this is going to be a big thing in the future. I think that I would yell... One more album, please. Just one. <laughs> Just one more album, please. You know what the wrong thing probably yelled in that situation? What? Play Freebird! Oh, yeah. 
And this is Doom. And then it would have been confirmed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dude, Where's My Killer? Well, we make jokes a little bit about Kurt Cobain's final moments. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, so, yes, two nights in a row here. Two nights in a row. Yes. Premium quality programming. La- last night, uh, I think that kind of kind of teed you up a little bit here. Yeah, I don't think I'm crying tonight. Okay. No, well. no disrespect to Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I thank to thank you to all the listeners. Y'all have been marvelous. I I'm looking at the views for the episode, and I mean, we hardly I hardly even advertise it. I advertised it like a couple hours ago, and you know. It's the listeners of the listeners. Y'all look like y'all were just there for us. I was just sitting there waiting, like, hey, hey <laughs> wait <they're coming> back. <laughs> hey, they're back. <laughs> so, so thanks definitely for listening. Uh, again, uh, another ad free episode. No flip void again, once again. No, no ads on this one. We have an anchor ad. Is the, so does the anchor ad play though? Yes. So it does play. Yes, it does. Okay, because you used to not play the anchor ads. No, it. Uh, yes, it plays. Okay. So well, you can't you can't discount our sponsor and make them feel bad. Well, anchor, I'm sorry, y'all are the app that actually produces us, so you know that I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I were love you, you. Were you kind of singing? I'm sorry, Anchor. You know what? I love you so much. And we have another confirmed suicide here. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Come as you are, Anchor. I'm getting you to. <laughs> Kip, I need you to have a talk with I think we need to see other people. <laughs> well, I think, uh, uh, I know a couple that's probably needed to see other people. Probably for the best. Kurt and Courtney? That's where we start, ended off off last, was uh-huh. Kurt and Courtney. Yeah. Kurt and Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain. Kind of where we left off. <laughs> we left so, off. Great segue there. Uh, that was a pretty good segue. I think it was a good segue. That was a pretty good segue. Okay. Yeah, the, at last we left Kurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting into a bit of a relationship with Courtney. Okay. And there was something else coming up pretty major in his life mm-hmm. that both, I would say, I would say it had very big positive effects as well as negative. Mm-hmm. And that something is called... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Nice. Yes. Never a classic mind. album, guys. A classic a album. Classic album. And uh, Dave Grohl's first official Nirvana album. Mm-hmm. This album came out on September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. Mm. Kurt and Courtney were a bona fide couple by this point. Okay. Um, so this was their first album on with with Geffen. Okay. Um, it was produced by Butch Vig. And for any of the listeners that might be a little confused about what album I'm talking about, it is it is the album that has the baby underwater, mm. 
that is swimming, well, kind of floating towards a... Well, it looks like he has a ton, his penis is out on the album cover, but you can actually, if you look into it, that is just his big toe. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. You always have to bring up the penis. Well... Or the vagina. Uh, well, or the boobs. Or just those things. Well, not always, but... 69% of the time. <laughs> In case you, think you couldn't understand what that noise meant, it meant, God help me. That's what that noise means. I actually have more information about the album cover for, for Nevermind. Okay, yes. Because I think this is a pretty cool story. So, okay. Um, an artist named Robert Fisher was the one that designed the cover. Mm-hmm. Um. And the cover is actually displayed in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City as an example of classic design composition. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Fisher actually sought out Geffen to work with Nirvana whenever he found out that they were signed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kurt had this vision of a baby being born underwater. So... He wanted like he wanted something way more graphic than Geffen was ready to allow. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kurt had they 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 decided to do this underwater thing, and Kurt had mentioned that he thought it might be a good idea to put a fish hook in there to just make it more menacing. And mm-hmm. all these different people were suggesting different things to put on the fish hook. Mm-hmm. And they don't even remember who it was that suggested the dollar bill that's mm-hmm. at the end of the fish hook. But um, it ended up being a dollar bill. The photo was shot by Kurt Weddle, who specialized in submerged people in ob- and objects. Mm-hmm. So submerged underwater. I think it's pretty cool that this was in the, that this is in the MoMA. Oh, is that the name of is that what the name of that museum is? Yeah. You for you got it. You got to remember that um that you got listeners kind of sort of of like me that don't know nicknames for those type of things. I can sort of things. The Museum of Modern Art. It's cool that it's there. Yeah, MoMA. Mm-hmm. All all of our guests out there are going. Yeah, we knew we knew what that meant. Yeah, like we Kip, we knew what that meant. Not me. Well, you know. <laughs> so Kip uh, do you want to know the last two songs that were recorded for the album Nevermind okay hit, hit me with it Come As You Are Come As You Are okay right. and Smells Like Teen Spirit oh wow so, so before that the album was going to be yeah good but not as but great not as great not as great how how much do you think this album has sold to date? Sold to date? Mm-hmm. Oh God. To this day. I, I, Just make a guess. Um, 69 million. It's sold 30 million copies to this day. Okay, I went over. I went over, but uh-huh. I went I, over. As soon as I asked that question, I thought, <laughs> he he's going to do something stupid. <laughs> so... Never mind, as mm. most people know, mm. is looked at as one of the most important and influential albums 
of the 90s? Probably. Um, yeah, probably. It, I mean, it started a huge trend that Kurt actually talked about a little bit later. Well, whenever, whenever they were doing promotion for the album, he said something that I thought was really cool. Um, or not necessarily cool, just really interesting. Mm. He said that they wanted to make music for kids. And not in the way that that sounds. Because if you listen to a song like Polly, that's literally about like a woman getting raped, mm-hmm. you would think, oh, that's not really a kid's song. Mm-hmm. They, there was a thing that was happening in the early 90s where all of the music that was on the radio was music that parents liked as well as their kids. Mm-hmm. So think about what was popular in the early 90s. You have things like Whitney Houston... Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, mm. uh, I mean, like, Boys to Men, stuff like that. And they were like, that's weird. Kids need to like music that their parents don't like, because that's how it was when we were kids. So they wanted to have, they wanted to make music so kids could have their own thing that the parents weren't into. Okay. I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. Speaking of Michael Jackson... Nevermind kicked Dangerous off the number one spot. Hmm. In, in the charts, the Billboard charts. Okay, cool. And little, little, little known fact about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I can safely say that Dangerous is my favorite Michael Jackson album. Mm. Which is a very rare opinion. Yeah. Most people say like Off the Wall or Thriller. Yeah. I I think Dangerous is really the best one out of the... Well, not necessarily the best, the one that I like most. Mm. I'm a Thriller guy. Well, most everybody loves Thriller. Mm. Thriller's a great album. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see here. The so- different songs on Nevermind have been sampled, covered, and recorded by over 100 artists. One of the most... Famous instances actually earned them a Grammy. It earned uh, it earned Nirvana a Grammy mm. because Jay Z sampled "Smells Like Teen Spirit" for the song "Holy Grail," the one that he did with Justin Timberlake. Really? Yes. I can't remember what part would be that. Um, I can actually pull it up. I I mean you can. Well, I I don't need to pull it up, but it's. There's a part. I just want to listen to. I just listen to it later on. Yeah. There's a part in the second verse that mm-hmm. they they sample the song. Okay, I gotta listen back to that. I mm-hmm. didn't notice that. Yep. Um, they sample the chorus. Hmm. In the second verse of Holy Grail, and and Nirvana won a Grammy because that song won a Grammy award. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Isn't that pretty, pretty neat? That's very neat. Yeah, I yeah, thought that was pretty neat. You have cool. a clue that happened. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I listened to that song plenty of times. Never recognized that sample once. Yeah. yeah, the one where he's like, and we're on a na 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 ba na 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 da 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 da. Uh, okay, that part. Would you, I don't know if I would call it a sample. But, it. I mean, it was a sample. That That's. They sampled the lyrics and they sampled the the melody. And, no, they were, and Nirvana was not, given credit. Really? I, 
we're, we're a little later on. It doesn't really sound the same. But yeah, see, they do, they do, do they do do a part of yeah, mm-hmm. of that. I wouldn't. Maybe it's slowed down. Maybe that's the reason why I don't recognize it that much. But it doesn't sound the same. I mean, they still got a Grammy out of it. So. Yeah. I mean, it 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 was their it was their intellectual property because they yeah. created the lyrics and I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not debating against it. I mean, they got a Grammy. I don't got a problem with them getting a Grammy. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. It wasn't their first Grammy though. Okay. Um. But anyways, so they. I think it's kind of. Pretty plain to see that this is the album that made them famous. Okay. Nevermind is yeah, yeah. one of the most famous albums ever, and it made Nirvana famous. Mm-hmm. They went from being a small band that like toured around in a van to playing larger and larger venues, venues and eventually they even played in like Rio de Janeiro to 300,000 people. Mm-hmm. Which is just, un- it's crazy. Yeah. I can't yeah. even think about that many people. Oh, yeah. For, for, yeah, to have to perform in front of 300,000 people is probably, bez- probably very berserker, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Especially for someone like Kurt, who was, at this time, as the band was getting more and more famous, it was kind of a situation of... You got to be careful what you wish for because it might come true, and he was growing more and more like, I don't like this. Okay. He didn't like he he as they got famous he was like whoa I I don't like this I don't like this so much. Okay. Um. Let's see here. Um, and as he got more and more famous, he started to do more and more drugs. Mm. At his like. The I think the most he was spending was like five hundred dollars a day on heroin. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Five hundred dollars a day is a lot. Yeah. Um, and I oh, actually yeah. have a clip about this. If you will allow me, we can pause for a second. I can pull it up, mm-hmm. and I have a clip where Courtney talks about this a little bit. All right. Yeah, we'll do that stat then. We'll be back right back after the break. So I have here, well, she's not with me, but this is Courtney talking about their relationship with drugs. Probably best that she's not with us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably be best. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, but this is, this is Courtney talking about drugs. This is actually on her episode of Behind the Music, but uh, let's take a little listen here. Okay, good. As Nirvana's Nevermind shot to the top of the Billboard charts, Kurt and Courtney slipped deep into heroin addiction. The way the hippies did acid, or gave acid to their children, as the case may be, there was a mandatory usage of heroin. If you did not do heroin, you weren't cool. End up. And that applied to the hair metal bands, as well as those of us that were what became known as alternative. I could see him sitting in the corner at a show, just in backstage, just kind of like, oh, huffled. And it's like, God, what is going on, you know? That was someone else. That was not Courtney, but that was someone else. There we go. 
I just had a joke that I kind of came up with uh, the middle of that when, the, when Courtney went. Uh, if you if you were seen in uh, you know uh, the back in those days as if you didn't do heroin you mm-hmm. wasn't cool. I just literally seen like Dazed and Confused with uh, Woody with uh, Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. asking the kid going. <laughs> instead of going, instead of going, do you got any weed on you or something like that? You got I can't any remember. On you? <laughs> going, you got any hair on you? And he goes, no. Well, it'd be much cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good Lord. I think it's the Tsunami title episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's continue, Courtney. Right. It's not a fun drug. But you have a habit and you don't. Wait, no. So, yeah. I'm having well, a rough t- moment yeah, here. Well, typical difficulties going on. Uh, please do uh, give us well, a view. Uh, no, oh, you, just, oh, you done with it? Yeah, I'll basically uh, just uh, paraphrase what she said that I was trying to find. Please say in the reviews uh, that if you do like that Matthew McConaughey um, heroin joke, because I think that was a pretty good joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Basically, uh, basically, Courtney was just saying, like, she saw heroin as, like, a little bit of what her words were, were mother's milk. But mm-hmm. that Kurt ethically sought oblivion. Mm-hmm. And he was, ju- he was looking to just completely escape his reality with heroin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, in the, I, what I will say is, um, a lot of people seem to think that Kurt was really, he didn't, wasn't really into hard drugs before Courtney came along, mm. but that Courtney was actually the one that, um, came along and actually introduced him to heroin, or at the very least, like, pushed him further into addiction, mm. um, that, it's kind of a mixed bag because some people seem to think that um, Kurt was doing heroin before Courtney mm-hmm. and that they just sort of kind of found a common bond and she says that he would just he would he would beg her to do it and she'd end up doing it because she loved him blah 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 mm-hmm. but regardless in the midst of all this chaos of Nirvana getting more and more famous and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. They get engaged. Okay. And they're pregnant. Well, you know what? As long as Courtney is a better mom than the mom from last episode, then that's all fine and dandy. Well, I don't know how long you're going to feel that way. I don't know how long you're going to feel that Does way. Does kid turns up to rob pizza delivery men? Nope. No, no, no. Okay. You know, I will say, Frances is, she seems, by all accounts, like a lovely girl and mm. everything. She seems like she has her head on straight and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But she had a rough start. Okay. And I'm going to get into that a little bit. Okay. But, um, they actually got, in, Kurt, Courtney was pregnant only four months after they became a proper couple. 
But keep in mind that she had been pursuing him hardcore for like a while. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's that. I mean, there's people that get married like right. I mean, get like married like right, like a week later. Mm -hmm. So that's not not that bad. No, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much worse because they were both addicted to heroin, but you know. And she was pregnant. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of a bad thing. Not good. Not great. I don't want your baby born with addiction to heroin. True. Um, but they, you know, they actually ended up getting married on February 24th, 1992. Two days before my birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, in, second birthday. In Hawaii. Mm. Um, Kurt ended up wearing pajamas because he was too, la- he, like, literally he was too lazy to put on a tux. But... Courtney wore a dress that was that used to be owned by Francis Farmer, which is they they had the obsession a little bit with Francis Farmer. Look, I think you're saying that he wore pajamas to his wedding because he was too lazy to put on. I think that was a rebellion against the tradition of weddings because he was still upset that gay weddings were not allowed this time. And if you remember from last episode, he wished he could have been gay. This is true. This is this is true. That's it. This very well might have been it. <laughs> so the wedding itself, do you, how do you think that wedding went? Do you think it went over smoothly? Do you think it was... Was it like an official wedding? Oh, they, they got legally married. So, no, I'm just saying, was it like an official wedding? Like, was it like a, like a ceremony, like all that Jazz. There was a ceremony, but let me get into some of the details about this wedding. So, first of all, Kim Gordon, the lead singer of Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. she tried to talk Courtney out of marrying Kurt. She was like, if you marry Kurt, your life is going to be over. And Courtney was like, I love him, I'm going to get married to him anyways, blah, blah, blah. Only eight people were there, because Kurt was like, I don't want anybody there. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Grohl was in attendance, whereas... I'm surprised eight people were there, to be honest with Mm -hmm. you. I'm very surprised at that. Yeah. Uh, Dave Grohl was there, but Chris Novoselic was was not there. Yeah. He and his wife didn't approve of Courtney or their drug use. So, Courtney likes to say that she banned them from the wedding. But Hmm. there's conjecture there because they're like... They're like, oh, we didn't want to go because we didn't approve of her. She was like, I didn't want them there. True, true fact is that they did, they did support the bands on gay weddings, and they just didn't want that because they didn't want to go there because this, this was a total rebel against gay weddings. Yeah, a total rebel. Um, oddly Before enough, gay weddings, sorry. Oddly enough, they signed a prenup. Nice. And it was Courtney's idea. Hmm? Uh, I've heard that story before. Yeah. I heard the story. They signed before. a prenup. Courtney wanted to sign a prenup. Mm-hmm. Um, so after February. Well, is this after Nevermind? So this is after Nevermind? This is after Nevermind. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is one thing well, that I. Well, I guess Courtney was making money at the time. Oh, so. yeah. She was, she was definitely making money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right around this time, she signed. Her band Hole signed their deal with Geffen mm-hmm. after being sought out by all these different labels. Mm-hmm. Um, the first the first label to actually show much interest in Hole 
was a company called Maverick, which was actually owned by Madonna. Mm. But Courtney was like, I don't want to get involved with that. The way she, the, she was like, it felt very much like a tiger looking at her next prey. In the way I of, don't get that, but in the way of Madonna like viewing whole like I don't know. Anyways, uh, not I, that, that, that sounds like much. that sounds like hair talk. <laughs> 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 it very well could be. It very well could be, which actually presents a very interesting uh, segue you got there, kid. Okay, yeah. Um. So, like I said, at this time, Courtney's band Hole they signed with Geffen in 1992. This was after Nirvana and had signed with him and after Nevermind had come out. Mm-hmm. After they were married. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, everyone involved was like, oh, she didn't get signed because because she was Kurt's wife. We really believe in this band and she just so happens to be married to Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, she, well, she was getting some buzz. And Vanity Fair decided they wanted to interview her for their September 1992 issue, okay. which was slated to come out in August 1992, the same month that Courtney was due to give birth. Mm-hmm. This actually ended up being a very bad, bad thing that happened for both Kurt and Courtney. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically... In this article, I I literally I read this today because I wanted to you know be I don't I don't think I had ever actually read the article before I'd always just heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of infamous because the writer of the of the article, Lynn Hirschberg, mm-hmm. she she interviewed Courtney, and she talked to a bunch of other people. Most. Most of these people that she talked to actually don't like Courtney at all. Mm-hmm. Or at least in the interview, it kind of came across that they didn't like Courtney. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened in regards to this interview that kind of caused, well, that caused a bit of a shit storm was that there was the assertion that Courtney was doing heroin while she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were, you know... There were several other issues with the article. It kind of portrayed Courtney like she was just this kind of self-righteous girl that would just, you know, she talked, like, there was a part of the interview where she talked about, like, whenever she d- had the her deal drawn up at Geffen, she had them pull out Nirvana's, Nirvana's thing, and they, they, she was like, I want, I want more than they... Every little thing, she was like, I want more, I want more, I want more. But mm-hmm. the claims that she did heroin while she was pregnant were believable enough that when Frances Bean was born on August 18th, 1992, mm-hmm. custody was taken away from Kurt and Courtney. Hmm. So whenever she was born, they were not allowed to have unsupervised bi- visits with they, their daughter. They didn't do tests on it to see if she was addicted or not, or something like that. Mm-mm. Okay, so is do we know if that if she was actually addicted or not? Do we know? So she, Francis was not born addicted to drugs. 
Okay. Uh, there, there were so many. There were a lot of different r- rumors that she was, but she was not. Okay. Um, she was in perfect health whenever she was born. Nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, whenever Courtney was about to give birth, both her and Kurt checked into Cedar Sinai Hospital in California. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically told her doctor she was like if you don't let me stay at this hospital i'm not doing this i'm not having this baby and okay i guess that's one way for any of yourself to gain you know what that is the way to defeat this health care situation mm-hmm. everybody with no health care threaten to kill your babies if you oh my god <laughs> if that would, i mean that would take hospital. care of it people, but here's the thing so it doesn't it doesn't matter if someone threatens abortion mm. because i here's the thing i don't think the people that are so opposed to it actually really care too much cuz they're they're not going to get out of, go out of their way to do anything to help someone like Courtney Love who's threatening to i mean i don't know if she was threatening to abort her baby you don't say that you're going to abort the baby. Just say that you aren't having the baby. Yeah, she's like, I'm not doing this if you don't let me stay in this hospital. Um, and then Kurt, he checked in as well because he was, quote unquote, detoxing from drugs. Okay. But according to Courtney, his drug dealer was coming in and putting stuff in his IV, putting drugs in his IV. Okay, so, I, I, I guess that's the thing, but uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's the thing. I've always heard that this hospital they were at is like the, it's the like the celebrity hospital. Yeah. That's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah, everybody's heard of that hospital. Yeah. Sure. Um, I so I mean I would imagine that they would be real like strict about stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't, you know, I, that's, that is the problem. That's the real big problem with the telling of this is that there's a lot of unreliable narrators in this because both Kurt and Courtney, they were so similar in that neither of them were particularly fond of telling the truth. Uh, you're you're informing me right now, and I never thought about this before, but you're telling me that heroin addicts are liars? Yeah, dude. Some of the most trusted people I've ever had in my lifetime have been heroin addicts. And you're telling me they're liars? I'm telling you... You don't, the first thing you don't want to do when it comes to a heroin addict is trust everything they say. So. Well. I guess I might need to check out on my apartment now. I kind of gave the heroin addict down the street the keys to my apartment and kind of watch it while mm-hmm. I do the podcast. Um. So, uh, I think I gotta go for a second and check that out. Okay. I mean, you know, do what you need to do. I'm just kidding. Everybody out here knows that heroin addicts are fucking liars. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, not. 
Yeah, so, yeah, not only were both of them at one point or another heroin addicts, but outside of, at the very least, Kurt being a heroin addict. Yeah, so. He still, like, he would still lie. Yeah. He would, like, even in his own journals. Last week I was talking about he would still lie in his journals. So... Do you think it's a lie? Do you think he just was so high that he thought this day happened? I mean, I think I'm. I I I don't know. That's the thing. There's there's no real, one hundred percent way to tell mm. what's true and what's not true, mm. because you have people that will say like, well, like Chris Novoselic, she he in. In the documentary montage of heck, he talks about seeing Kurt like a couple days before, like a, like maybe a couple weeks before he died, and said he was just like whacked out on heroin, like he'd mm. never seen him that high. Mm. Okay. Because the thing is, Kurt had usually had a pretty good, I mean, pretty good constitution when it came to. Sobering up and being able to do his job. Okay, yeah. Whenever they performed on SNL in support of Nevermind, he basically, like, he got, like, he pretty much overdosed before the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, a couple, like, a, like a few beats away from overdosing. Mm-hmm. But he was able to kind of pull it together and at the very least, perform. It's not their best performance, but it's definitely not their worst. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they... The heroin was a big problem. Mm. And it started to become an even bigger problem. Because Courtney, she not only... Like, if I will say, eventually they did, like... They sobered up enough to pass some drug tests and regain custody of Francis. Really? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. Great job. Yeah, good job then. That didn't last very long. Okay. Especially for Kurt. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, not only was Courtney having to deal with Francis, but she was having to deal with Kurt. If Kurt, do you want a baby in this life? They they said they wanted they wanted a baby. Well, they seemed like they did. Like, but, do, but I don't understand why. Uh, what? Uh, uh, a, I guess that's a question for for like heroin addicts out there. Why do you want babies in your life? I think that Kurt had enough of that. In the um, remember in the last episode, I talked about how important the family dynamic was to mm. Kurt. I think he wanted that so bad that he... I think he wanted a child so so much that he wanted to prove that he could have that family dynamic. That's not a good reason to have a child. Oh, no. I'm not saying it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. No, I'm just saying that's not a good reason to have a child. I, the thing is, you wouldn't call me alcoholic, would you? No. No. You wouldn't call me alcoholic, but I do drink. Mm-hmm. I do drink. And because I understand that, because of the understand that, uh, the under, the understandability, or 
understanding because I understand that I drink and that is not good to have inside of a family environment. I kind of go, yeah, I don't want kids anytime soon because I don't see myself not drinking on, you know, Friday nights, Saturday mm-hmm. nights. I don't see myself not going out drinking and having a few drinks, you know, a week. So I'd rather just not have kids because of that. But So I don't understand the concept of, you know. I think the problem is you had two people who were addicted, not just one. Well, I think if you have one person that's an addict, the sober person is able to see, oh, this is no situation for a baby. But no, I. But even in this situation, mm-hmm. I mean, I see it. You have to tell me like, hey, this is a situation for a baby. I know for myself. Mm-hmm. So. But you're not. But you're not. You just said you're not an alcoholic. I yeah. I I guess I I just don't see. Addicts it. don't well, think the, the addicts don't think that way. They don't think of themselves like, well, I'm a drug addict, so I've got to be responsible about the choices that I make because they're already a drug addict. Yeah. They're not. They're not showing that they're capable of making responsible d- decisions. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So that that judgment that that most people have when it comes to okay, my life is this, this, and this right now. Even at the very least, someone seeing, you know, I'm not really in a financially stable environment to have a ca- to have a kid right now. So I, I should probably, you know, be more proactive about birth control. The, well, not even just more proactive about birth control. But, but when but they I, have a kid, just be like, the people took her in custody. Just be like, that's probably for best. But they aren't able to think that way. Because yeah. they're, they're, they clearly show that they are not thinking rationally. Yeah. I just really wish that they, that like, like somebody would have been like, Kurt, like Dave Grohl, maybe somebody just would have been like, mm-hmm. Kurt. But why do you want a baby again? Well, by I mean, the here's the deal. If you if you think that everybody just sat like idly by and didn't say anything whenever Kurt was like whenever Courtney was like I'm pregnant, you'd be wrong well, because I- they were they were like. You need to get an abortion. I'm pretty sure a lot of people did that. But the thing is, again, I'm not a supporter of abortion. So Mm -hmm. I'm fine that she didn't get an abortion. The thing is, I'm just saying when the police took Francis away, that Kurt and Courtney said it probably been like, it's probably for best that she's away. I mean, in, in the ideal world, that's... I mean, that's how you would hope that someone would think, but I think that somebody should have. Their judgment has already well, been. I think that somebody just should have came up to him and been like, "Kurt, you see what you are right now. You see what you are right now." They tr- people tried they, though. They do. It's probably best that Francis is gone. Okay, you can't just tell just think of it that. like that. Just think of it this way, Kurt. Mm-hmm. You see yourself, you overdosed a couple days before a show, a very popular show. You can't overdose with a kid in the house. But think of, think about it like this, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on you conversely. Mm-hmm. Say somehow you were in a position where someone came up to you 
and talk to you about what you thought was a, dr a drinking that wasn't problematic. Because I'm sure in his mind, he didn't think his heroin usage was, was problematic because he was making all this money and he was having all this success. I, I have to deny that claim. I think if you have overdosed and almost died, died, I feel like you have to figure out that's pretty problematic. Oh, well, yeah, but <laughs> then you go right back to it because the allure of it is too much to withstand. Yeah. That's, I guess we're just, getting, we're just getting into a debate that's just not going to be one because I just don't see how his how logically he could have been like I want a baby in the house but that's the thing logic was out the window whenever you bring drugs specifically something like heroin that alters your brain in that way logic is gone you you have an addict addicts don't think logically mm, okay We'll just, just leave, we'll just leave it at that. That's fine. I mean, I'm just, I'm mm -hmm. just being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's just that's how addicts think. They think about the drug. They don't think about mm -hmm. everything else. But um, so they get Francis back. They get they get Francis back, and things are. That's that's the thing. Things are fine for a time, mm -hmm. but then they get not fine. Okay. And they get non they get not fine badly. Like mm -hmm. he starts to use like exponentially. But mm. what's crazy is that they they still have another album that comes out in February well in September of nineteen ninety three mm -hmm. that is another amazing album. Mm -hmm. It's in utero. Mm -hmm. And they were, I mean, maybe they were able to get it so good because it was only recorded in two weeks. Mm. They gave themselves a two-week deadline. Nice. Whenever they were recording it. It was recorded that... in February of 1993. Good, nice. Mm -hmm. Work there. Yep. Recorded in two weeks. It's very different from Nevermind. Mm -hmm. They... Sought out a producer named Steve Albini, mm -hmm. who, especially compared to Nevermind, which has more of like a, a real slick, pro production, uh, In Utero has more of like a natural, let everything happen kind of production. Mm -hmm. It was more punk rock. Yeah. Like original punk rock, not nowadays punk rock. Um, they, I mean, they kind of were alone. They, like, yeah. sequestered themselves for two weeks. Yeah, one take, one take, do what the song does, you know. Well, kind of like that, but they would, I mean, not necessarily the one take, though. Mm -hmm. They would go in and they would, like, lay down tracks, and the last thing that they did was Kurt's vocals. Mm -hmm. Um, they would... They would, I mean, they would work pretty qu quickly, obviously, with two weeks with an album like that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the, the mix, he spent, like, Steve Albini spent, like, five days mixing the album. when and he was used to spending, like, a day or two mixing hmm. the album. Mm -hmm. um, something that should be noted is that in between the time of the 
Vanity Fair article that came out in, it actually came out the same month that Kurt, the, oh, look, look, Courtney was due to give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Kurt started to get guns. He started to collect guns. Mm-hmm. And Courtney, in interviews, she talked about this. She said, for every bad reporter, we get another Uzi. And he even started leaving like threatening voicemails on mm-hmm. people's phones. Like there's an there was an author that was like writing a book about them and he was like, If I find out that you put anything in this book that upsets my wife, I'm gonna I'm gonna make your life a living hell. I'm at the end of my rope. Mm-hmm. He even wrote a letter to David Geffen after that article came out that mm-hmm. he he was like, I'm He's, he's, he literally said, fuck Nirvana. Mm-hmm. I'm breaking up my band. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the publicity. Mm-hmm. I will do anything for my wife and my child. That's, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. But the, obviously that wasn't going to happen because there was more money to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But started to get more guns. And... Yeah, I just felt like I needed to sh- to, to add that because it mm-hmm. was kind of in between that time frame. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. So yeah, it definitely relates to the story for sure. Yeah, it's re- it's re- it's relevant to mm-hmm. it's relevant to the story, mm-hmm. considering how everything ends. Yeah. Um. So, in in utero takes like two weeks. Um. Steve Albini, it's interesting to hear him talk about the band because he has like a generally like apathetic vibe towards the band, mm. but like before knowing them, he was like, I didn't want any of their people around because all of their people were the biggest pieces of shit I ever met in my life. That's a that's a good producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good producer. Yeah, and he um I mean, he pretty much let them decide which takes were good and which takes were bad. That that was the the classic. It reminds me a lot. That's kind of the Nirvana kind of li- a little bit of reminds me of the Clash. I think more kind of like behind the scenes stuff. Really more mm-hmm. reminds me of the Clash than actually their did their music or what they were and stuff like that. I think but, the the process of in utero definitely. I think that's what it was. I think the process of them making their music is what reminds me of a Clash a lot, mm-hmm. because uh, the Clash's first um, producer who produced some of the best albums of all time, mm-hmm. um, he used to do like you know bands on people bands on their friends going to the studio and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so. I uh, I will say between the two albums, In Utero is actually my favorite. Mm. I, I mean, I, there are songs off of Nevermind that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, In Bloom is one of my favorites yeah. off of Nevermind. In Bloom's a great song. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's it just kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I mm-hmm. also really like Something in the Way. Mm-hmm. That's one that I like. Yeah. Um, but overall, I like In Utero a lot. Um. <clears throat> Do you have any favorite Nirvana songs? I mean, I just love Teen Spirit. Uh, Teen Spirit is just a uh, classic song to me. So I love Teen Spirit. I know I know a lot of people like to pick other songs than that, but, you know, I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. And it's Teen it's Spirit. catchy. Yeah. That's what made the, I mean, that's what made Nirvana such a big deal was that single. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was just a, I think it's just a really great song. I mm-hmm. think for and through, I think the meaning of the song, when you look at the meaning of the song and all that stuff, the story behind the song, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say is that overall, the in utero seems a lot more depressing than Nevermind. Would, would you agree with that? I have not listened to In Utero full, fully. Okay. So I listen to Nevermind a lot more than I listen to In Utero. Mm-hmm. So I, I would guess maybe so, yes. Maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe the reason why I have not listened to it as mm-hmm. much as in Nevermind. Maybe because more of the depression fit. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe it's, it's definitely two different sounds, though. Mm-hmm. It's definitely two different sounds for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we should give them a little, a little taste. Uh, sure, if you want to yeah. give somebody a taste, yeah. Yeah, give let's taste. give them a taste. Yeah, sure. Um, I think a good... I think a good example of of Nirvana, never mind, mm. is... Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. I'll just play the two biggest hits from both. Okay. Never mind, I need you to row. Okay, yeah. That sounds great, don't it? It'll be like... Uh, It's really slick, very precise Mm -hmm. in terms of the production value. Okay, yeah. And then I'll give an example of In Utero. I mean, let's see here. In fact, I really started to get into Nirvana back whenever they had their 20th anniversary of the release of In Utero. Okay. So, in Euro has the like I would say the two most popular songs are Heart Shaped Box mm-hmm. and All Apologies, mm-hmm. and I think for this I will play a little bit of which one do you think I should play Heart Shaped Box or All Apologies? Which one you love? You I remember you say you love Heart Shaped Box, so I do. I'm gonna play a little bit of Heart Shaped Box. Mm-hmm. So you, that's that's a really good example of um, something that Nirvana used in their music a lot, which is called contrasting, uh, contrasting, 
dynamics mm-hmm. where the verses would be a little bit more soft mm-hmm. and then the chorus would be loud and then the verses would get soft again and then the verse would be more powerful mm-hmm. I mean the chorus not the yeah yeah okay yeah. so yeah you could definitely tell the difference you could tell one's one uh, one's a little more peppy yeah, one's a little bit more peppy. One, one sounds the never mind sounds a little bit more factory made. Well, and it's that specifically spell smells like Teen Spirit has more of a pop melody. Yeah, it just sounds it's just it sounds a little bit more factory made. While mm-hmm. you know that one sounds a little bit more what you would hear inside of a dive bar, something yeah. like that. You know, so mm-hmm. something like that. You know? Darker. It's got a darker tone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. One thing that I will note about in utero mm-hmm. is that the, it went through a couple different cycles of names. Mm-hmm. In utero was obviously the last name that they decided on. One of them was like song, was like a verse, chorus, verse. Mm-hmm. Another one, there was another one that was like pretty short. But then one that Kurt thought... He wanted to name the album was I hate I hate myself and I want to die. Mm, okay. And like it was set on in utero and he was like, no, I want to change it to this. And they were like, um, we don't think that's such a good idea, Kurt. <laughs> well, the thing is, Kurt, we don't hate ourselves and we don't want to die. We we're kind of fine with our lives right now. And honestly, I will. I'm happy that we have this thing called. A lot of money. There's a lot of people that don't have this thing called a lot of money. And we got this thing called a lot of money. So yeah. I kind of like it. I kind of like this. And Kurt, anyway, like, I kind of like myself, actually. Like you're, like, uh, you're like the one earning. Uh, you have the potential to earn the know, most money. You know, my, you know, you know what I would like the album to be? Actually, I like myself. And, and I'm, I I'm live. happy I live. I'm happy I'm alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, um... Yeah, it he uh Yeah, he he had definitely reached a darker place just because I think really that that article, that Vanity Fair article really it added a, a, another level of publicity to to his life. Mm-hmm. And I think that really affected his songwriting a lot. Because one of the songs on the album is called Rape Me, mm-hmm. which is technically a, an anti-rape song, mm-hmm. but basically the song is about how the public public eye is intruding on his personal life and he doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, In Utero comes out. It It's another number one album. Mm-hmm. Things start to go bad kind of, like, immediately. Because at this point, he had already threatened to break up the band once. And now we get into more regular overdosing. Mm. He would overdose. Courtney would have to tend to that and, like, do what she says, all the stuff that you have to do to get somebody back whenever they've overdosed. So she would, you know, pound on his chest, you know, put... Pins, she would tr- like put pins in his testicles mm-hmm. to like get him up, like take ice cubes and like 
do stuff with ice cubes to try to just revive him and there were there were are several documented instances of overdosing that occur mm-hmm. um one of the most talked about instances of overdosing mm-hmm. happens in 1994 mm-hmm. early 1994 mm-hmm. in Rome mm-hmm. they were doing the european tour for in euro which ended up getting canceled after this happened mm-hmm. by this point the relationship between kurt and courtney was not going very well mm-hmm. courtney claims that at this time she thought about cheating on him she was like he knew i don't know how he knew but he knew it never went anywhere but i thought about cheating on him and he took 67 row whip nalls and champagne and tried to kill himself yeah. and that's that's essentially what happened in rome they got they they met up in rome and he wanted to work on the relationship. Courtney, I think she wanted to work on the relationship too, but I think she was also kind of tired of him not getting a grip on his addiction. Okay. Um, you know, she was also struggling with her drug use, but I I I think we can pretty much safely say that her drug use was not anything compared to his. Probably. Probably. That that's confirmed, yes. He was using a lot. Mm-hmm. $500 a day is a lot. Yeah. And it wasn't just heroin. That's the thing. It was pills. I'm sure he was smoking a lot of weed. He was doing cocaine. I'm sure he was... I'm sure he was doing all of the above. Mm-hmm. It's... I mean, maybe that's... Maybe that's just my own assumption, but... I'm sure it wasn't just heroin. I wonder how he gets all this stuff out inside of Europe. I wonder where he, how he gets connects. I guess he. I guess when he got that, he got connects over there. Yeah. Well, he um. He sets up this like romantic night for them. She gets to Rome and she's tired because she's been flying all day, mm-hmm. so she falls asleep, and he is. He's upset because of their marriage. He feels like it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And he he overdoses on Roipnols, which is like roofie. Yeah. And champagne. Mm-hmm. And he goes into a coma. Mm-hmm. This is... This, this was a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. Or... So, well... I should, I'll take that back. A lot of people think it was a suicide attempt. A lot of people don't think it was a suicide attempt. Yeah. This is where the theory, there's, this is where like the theories really start. Okay. Um, but he, either, either way he goes into a coma and they're like, he accidentally overdosed on Roipnol and champagne, and he went into a coma, and he wakes up, and at that point, Courtney is like, we, 
have to do, I've, I've got to do something. Mm. So she stages an intervention for him. In Rome? Not in Rome. Okay. Whenever they get back to the States. Okay. Um, she stages the intervention for him, and she she kind of played her final card, and she was like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take Francis, because I can't have her around you like this anymore. I just can't. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. So at that point, he does agree to go to rehab. Yeah. And that brings us to April of 1994. Okay. Which is, we're, we're, at, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the line here. Yeah. For Kurt. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm thinking that it might be a good idea for us to save what happened from rehab on. Because mm-hmm. I think this could take up a whole other a whole other episode. Oh, okay, so we're going to do it to a three-parter. I think we need to do a three-parter. Because okay. this... I think this could very easily turn into like a three a three hour episode if we continue on. All right. Well, all right. Well, I guess we'll just save it up till next week to see what happens in the end of this Kurt Cobain saga. Then. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Um. With that said, um, do you want to do a, um shit happened? Of course. We okay. Can, we can definitely do shit happened. Okay. So shit happened. Um. Do you want to start off first? Sure. Um, I'm getting like all kinds of awesome job stuff happening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an awesome part-time opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's looking like I'm going to have a, have, have a new opportunity at work, too. That sounds awesome. You keep finding new finding keep, uh, ways to move on up. Keep smiling. Keep, keep smiling. shining. That's the guarantee. <laughs> um, shit happened for me. Uh, I went to see Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Um, uh, I don't want to say disappointing. It's not... If you're expecting a Quentin Tarantino, it's not really a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's different. It's different, really different, but it is entertaining. It is it's entertaining if you're into good acting. Now the thing is, if it wasn't for the great acting in the movie, which Leonardo DiCaprio's just, he's just an amazing actor. He's just, uh, I I don't know how that guy does it. He's just as great an actor as there is. I think he's just great. Uh, Brad Pitt does an awesome job acting as well in it. Um, Pretty much plays his character from, you know, Snatch or Fight Club or something like that. Um, but Margaret Robbie's great in it as well. Uh, it's a lot of really great acting in it. A lot of really great acting. Uh, very well acted movie, but it's not a, a Quentin Tarantino. If you did not, if it, it was not plastered on everything that Quentin Tarantino's in the movie... Uh, whatever would what, I mean was wrote uh, wrote and directed mm-hmm. movie or whatever you uh, would never had a clue, would never had a clue. Well, it's not really a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm excited to see. That's it. a good movie. 
I've been I have been following its production since the very beginning of everything because mm-hmm. I'm a I am a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've never I've never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, this is his ninth of what he claims to be his only ten films. Mm. So I, you know, I've been really excited about it, and I can't wait to see it. Well, we'll see if you enjoy it or not. I just can't. Honestly, I can't see you enjoying this film. But we'll see. You might can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've surprised me. You've surprised me before. That's for sure. Um. Besides that, shit happened. Um. I feel like there's something I'm forgetting about that I really want to mention on here. Trying to think what shit happened. I really feel like there's something I'm forgetting about I want to mention on here. Um, well, as y'all know, as we told him last night, the microphone's going well. Uh-huh. Um, went to see the wrestling matches. They went very well. Um, Hopefully, going to be getting done with this pod, getting our new podcast up and running in the next week or so. Uh, past that, I feel like there's something I really need to mention that I cannot get off my head. Cannot get off my head right now. I don't know. I don't know. Um. Wow. Well. I guess if I do think of it, it'll just have to come up in in the next episode. Um, so got Kirkle Bang part three coming up later on this uh next week probably gonna mm-hmm. come up next week. Um again, do rate us, review us, um social medias have been have been going well. Uh Actually, I had a person uh, comment on one of my uh, one of our um, one of our um, posts, mm-hmm. and uh, said he wanted to invite us to a Discord. Uh, Discord is kind of I don't know if you know what Discord app is, but it's kind of like where you, it's kind of like a chat app. It's kind of like his own little setup chat room for mm-hmm. certain things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you set up a chat room. So uh, he invited me to do a Discord about him about professional wrestling. Mm. So. Uh, I am gonna be doing that a little Discord about professional wrestling, so uh definitely uh uh definitely so look out for that um definitely uh I thought about maybe we should do a Discord for this app uh do Discord for this podcast um let us know if you th- if you think we should do a Discord for this podcast mm-hmm. you know talk about somebody's cross talk about Kurt Cobain's and you know Fairies by Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. all that great old jazz. Yeah. Because I want, I want to be able to discuss both sides of what happened thoroughly. Yeah. And if you're a heroin act out there, please explain to us why you want to have kids and why you think you should have kids. Yeah, I would love to hear it. <laughs> So yeah, um, with that said, um, uh, 
God, I really cannot get it off my head. I feel like there's something I'm missing out on. What should happen? Um, can't think of it right now. Uh, oh, I know what it is. Take got Take got fifty year got fifty years in prison. Oh yeah. Take yeah. Take are one of our previous um our previous um um I guess subjects. subjects, yes. Uh he, I think he was the feature the main feature on the episode uh Whips his peep whips PP out in the park. Yep. Um is the name of the episode. So look out for the episode Whips PP out in the park if you want to check out Take K. Um he wrote a song about him doing Going pretty much on a crime spree. Pretty much going on a crime spree. And uh, that song was actually, interesting enough, allowed in uh, court. Wow. Usually rap songs aren't allowed in court. Usually songs, period, aren't allowed in court unless it's, you know... A, a, a trial about a, a trial music. about the song, yeah. Like the John Fogarty trial. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, usually, usually songs, rap songs aren't allowed in court because... It's easy to just say it's a fucking song. It's not something that happened. Yeah. Uh, this courtroom allowed the song to come in, and it actually, and it uh, did not work out in TK's favor. He got sentenced to fifty years in prison. That's before the uh, murder case. Mm-hmm. So um, this is just the robbery case. So he's also got a murder trial coming up. So um, TK. Well, no, we're gonna see the lights of Take Care ever again. Probably not. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's said, huh? Say, uh. Nice try, Airline. Yeah. No, you wanna go nice try, Airline? Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice try, Airline, huh? Okay, well, fuck you, Cynthia. <laughs>